You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. It is Tuesday, November 13th, Penn State preparing for its penultimate regular season game, a spicy matchup at Rutgers. Just kidding. It's not really spicy, but it is a match about Rutgers, a game Penn State should definitely win. Nittany Lions, a 26.5 point favorite out there in Piscataway. Noon kick this weekend. Penn State then closes out its regular season with Maryland. That will be a 3.30 p.m. kick senior day there at Beaver Stadium. That was announced on Monday. Uh, So we're going to look ahead to Rutgers a little bit on this show. Uh, but mostly we're going to uh, look back and uh, continue to evaluate what we saw in Penn State's 22-10 to win over Wisconsin last weekend, which pushed the Nittany Lions to 7-3. and To help me do that, I'm going to be joined right off the bat here by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. Here's our interview with John. All right, I'm happy to be joined now with our weekly guest, John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. John, thank you as always for joining us here. And uh, just after a few days of digesting Penn State's win over Wisconsin, uh, what are your thoughts on the Nittany Lions' 12-point victory there on Saturday? Hey, Piano, thanks for having me, bud. This was a win that Penn State needed. It was it was a dominating win. They essentially out-Wisconsined Wisconsin. <laughs> That's you know, running the ball so well. Miles Sanders with 159 yards on the ground. And this coming after, you know, a seven-carry, 14-yard performance for him out at Michigan. You know, he was really bottled up against Iowa for 64 yards and out at Indiana for 72. He had more yards against the Badgers than he did in those three weeks combined. And so you look at what he was able to do at the second level as well. He had a career-high 23 carries. Only one of them was stopped behind the line of scrimmage. He had six runs of 11 yards or more, and he was – so he was really churning it out, and, and the offensive line did a really good job too, you know, sealing and kicking out those holes. Uh, the, the switch for you know, it was a, there was a switch on the offensive line. Ryan Bates moved from left tackle to right tackle, and Will Fries moved from right tackle to left tackle. It helped in the running game. Will Fries looked pretty shaky still in pass protection, so that's something he has to clean up. But the offensive line did pretty well, and they had, they had heard all week, and they have heard for years now. They you know really. Back to a lot of these guys were on the were on the team that played Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. That hey, this team dictates you know how the game goes. They're a physical team, and you know Miles and the offensive line you know saw that as a challenge this week and really took it upon themselves to to make good on it and um and, and dominate and really like I said, out Wisconsin, Wisconsin. So it was a big win for them to get to to seven wins and on their path to nine and three, finishing out the regular season. Yeah, uh, I do want to talk about Miles Sanders a little bit. Uh, this is his best game since that Illinois game, really, and the first time that he's got, I think, north of 20 carries. Maybe he had he had a decent amount against Indiana, too. But could you sense that he was frustrated in those weeks against Michigan where he wasn't getting the ball a lot? And uh, I, I'm assuming he was much happier to be back in the, you know, a, a major part of the game plan. Yeah, no, Miles didn't show any frustration. He's... He's kind of cut from the same cloth as Saquon, where after the game, you know, regardless of what he does, he, he's kind of one of those guys who's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, you know, to help the team win, you know, put me wherever you want on the field and I'll make plays. 
Um, and, and oddly enough, so with the running game struggling, especially, you know, glaringly out at, out at Michigan with that, you know, 14 yards for miles on the ground, the next Tuesday, well, you know, last Tuesday leading up to the Wisconsin game, Miles, Jonathan Thomas, um, you know, Ricky Slade and Journey Brown, the running backs actually walked over from, from their position meeting, knocked on the door at the offensive line room asked coach Matt Limegrover if they can have the floor and Miles really led this. He was kind of, he was doing most of the talking and basically reiterated to the offensive line that, Hey, like we have a lot of confidence in you guys. You know, we, we support you guys. We know we're going to get this thing on track and it's going to happen this week. And it did. So you never really sensed any frustration from that kid. He's a very, very nice guy. Very, very mild mannered, pretty soft spoken for the most part. Um, but yeah, and, and he, and he was happy. He, he was happy. With running backs, whenever you get that kind of performance, you're going to be pretty happy with yourself. And, and not only that, but he, you know, he eclipsed a thousand yards for the right. season, as well, which is a big mark for him. Uh, he, he's done, I think, really, really well in his first year starting. You mentioned that this was the first time really since Illinois that that he broke out. He had 22 carries for 200 yards at Illinois. I think he did better against the Badgers, given the the level of competition and given where the running game was prior to Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was a necessary step for this offense to, to get that back into its game plan and on the field. Uh, so wait, he he just he wanted to go to the offensive line room. Mm-hmm. That was his idea. Yeah, him and him and the other running backs. Were, you know, they asked uh, they asked Jaywan Sider, their their coach, like, "Hey, can we can we go over and, and talk to the offensive line?" And so it's just an unannounced thing. You know, when they went over line group, and this is Miles. Miles was telling about the telling us about this on a conference call on Mm -hmm. Wednesday, I believe Wednesday morning, we talked to him and uh, and yeah, he was just telling us, Hey, we we went over and we told them that we support them and and we believe in them and we're going to get this thing on track. And, you know, when I asked, asked a lot of players, I actually asked James Franklin about miles uh, after the game. And I asked them, I asked James, I said, you know, look, where is, where has he grown from week one to now? Mm -hmm. And the, the question was more so like as a runner, like how have you seen him, you know, progress as a, as a running back on the field. But James kind of went off and was talking about his contributions off the field and him finding a voice. And when I asked the same thing that Trace McSorley, Trace said the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Miles kind of spoke up a little bit at halftime at Illinois, and that was kind of a coming out moment for him as, as a leader, uh, you know, a, a good moment for him. And ever since then, he, he's been more vocal on the sidelines, encouraging not only the offense but also the defense too. Uh, so I think you, you've seen him grow into that role, a role when, you know, when Trace moves on next year, you know, after this season, you know, Miles might be the voice of the offense uh, yeah. when, when you think about it that way. So it's been a really impressive year for him, both on and off the field, and, and his teammates would tend to agree as well. Yeah, real quick, one last thing on him. And speaking of next year, has, any, has, has anyone floated the idea to him just to ask him about Will he be for sure back next year? And it's like, I mean, he's a, a guy like that who, if he's healthy, could be probably a mid-round, late-round draft pick if everything went well at the Combine. But I'd imagine he's leaning toward coming back. Has he been asked about it at all? Yeah, I actually um, – so I had a sit-down interview with him back on the bye week. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after um, – sorry, after Ohio State, before Michigan State. Yep. I'm doing a bigger story on him uh, after the regular season. Uh, so I'm saving all that stuff for them. But mm-hmm. – uh, when I did talk to him, I, I kind of brought that up, and and at the time he said it wasn't something that he had thought of. Yeah. So uh, you know, this was on the heels of his really big performance against Illinois, really good start to the year. 
obviously tapered off a little bit over the last few weeks. Um, so not sure. You know, we, we haven't asked him about that recently. I would I would assume that he's he'll be back. Yeah. But, but I again, wouldn't. there's always that possibility. He has had a really good year. Right. And I wouldn't you wouldn't blame someone for at least testing and like reaching out to people and getting oh, an yeah. idea of where he could go. So that's something to Yeah. All those guys do that. Right. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm, sure I'm sure they all put in for the for the evaluations after their junior year because it Why wouldn't you? Can't hurt. can't hurt. Right. Yeah. We have to step away for a quick break. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're a college football fanatic. You don't just want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. That's why I'm telling you, you need to check out Sling TV. For just 30 bucks a month, you get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, the SEC Network, and more. You can stream the big games on your big screen and all your favorite devices with Sling TV. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, but it's better. There are no useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel at any time. If you want to check out Sling TV, Locked On Nittany Lions listeners can get a special seven-day free trial. Go to sling.com slash locked on, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and sign up for your free seven-day trial today. Sling.com slash locked on and find out why Sling TV is the best way to watch college football. We are with John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. Uh, I want to switch to the defensive side of the ball and talk about Penn State's defensive line. Because I think, I mean, I think that was the best game that they've played this season. And they've played a lot of good games in, in recent weeks. Um, and they're also going against an offensive line. If you want to talk about NFL draft picks that might have four or five NFL draft picks up there. And they were cutting through them rather easily. Uh, what did you think about the way the line performed and maybe in particular Robert Windsor, who probably had his biggest breakout game and is having a really a big breakout year defensive tackle for Penn State. Yeah, you mentioned those Wisconsin offensive linemen, and you know they had three preseason AP All Americans. That they've they've got guys who you will see them in the NFL in right. years. And the way that Penn State's defensive line just disposed of them, and especially on third down, you know Sharif, Sharif Miller had two third down sacks. Etor uh, had a tackle for loss, I believe, on third down. He fu- he recovered a fumble on third down. You know, Etor Gross Matos and Sharif Miller they were living in the backfield against that defense or against that offensive line rather, and and so did so did Robert Windsor. And I really like what he's been able to do this year as a whole. I mean, he entered that game with I believe three and a half sacks, which is a good number for a guy like that. I mean, he, you know, he's not. A guy like that is, is more of a run stuffer, kind of like just clog the lane. Don't really his his primary responsibility isn't to get to the quarterback, but mm-hmm. for him to come out there, he tied a career high with six tackles. He had a career high two sacks, and he's a he's a Wisconsin native. And you know the Badgers offered him a scholar. He was a three star recruit coming out of Wisconsin. Not really, you know, the the, the crazy Alabama Georgia offers weren't there for him. And Wisconsin finally came in and offered him a scholarship three weeks before his signing day. And he decided he was going with Penn State because he already had a good relationship built up with Sean Spencer, James Franklin, and that staff from when they were at Vanderbilt at the time when they were recruiting him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after the game, Robert was asked about that or, you know, basically asked about what this performance meant to him. And, and he broke down the team in the locker room after the game and then told us that, hey, like it was kind of a confirmation that he made the right decision. 
Uh, so it was a big day for him personally, big day for the defensive line. Like I said, Gross Matos is really coming on. I mean, that kid, that kid is 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 a player on Sundays in a year or two. He is he, he has all the athleticism in the world. He's making good use of it. And then Sharif is, is uh, continuing his pretty solid year as well. Mm-hmm. And then also behind them, Micah Parsons, yeah. his name is getting called more and more each week. I it looked like he was in there a lot more for Koa Farmer, spelling him a lot more than he has in, in other weeks. I think he's played a lot basically the whole season, but um, yeah, it, that might have been that might have been his most complete game at, at Penn State so far, and a promising sign for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and a lot of the players were talking about that after the game. And I even asked I asked Jan Johnson, this was on Wednesday. Uh, before the game, uh, you know, basically, hey, like, where have you seen him grow? And and he's like, look, for a kid who played defensive line in high school, like, he's making serious strides and just understanding his role. It's not even just making the plays; it's it's understanding where you need to be in your fits. Where like, his understanding of of the defense it, it goes beyond just his role now, which is which is promising. To, and to hear that from Jan Johnson, who is the middle linebacker, the, the guy who is setting the defense up and making all those calls, that he's confident in Micah. And pretty much everyone else is confident in Micah. That's, that's an impressive deal for a kid who was playing defensive end this time last year in high school. Yeah. No, he's he's kind of delivered as much for being basically the biggest hyped recruit Penn State has had in a decade. He's delivered a lot in a true freshman season, and the future looks like looks like he's he'll be very shooter. bright. He's a chewing for for fresh, for all the freshman all American teams. Absolute mm-hmm. chewing. If he's yeah. not all, all of them, then I'll be I'll be very surprised. I think Big Ten does a defensive and offensive freshman of the year. Is that right? I think so. I, I don't know. I think they might only just do regular freshman. Just a freshman of the year. I hope yeah. short list of that yeah. at least. Yeah, him and him and Rondale Moore from uh, Purdue will be the short. Oh list yeah, I forgot about Rondale. That's yeah. okay. Never mind. Yeah, he'll probably finish second then. <laughs> um, uh speaking of freshmen it looked like uh Jahan Dawson's getting more time and he's also I know they just released a new depth chart for the Rutgers game and and Jahan Dawson has moved up that seems to be I mean with all the struggles they've had at wide receiver it's kind of like why wouldn't you want to do this uh it, it seems like Penn State is going to try to get its young wide receivers involved more uh, Justin Shorter had his first catch uh, of a co- of his college career last week too, so it seems that they are uh, moving t- toward the youth there at, at wide receiver. Is that something that James Franklin has made a point of doing in the ne- last couple weeks here of the regular season? Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially with Jahan, and and I think it's it's not just because it's not just because these kids are freshmen and Penn State's not making it to the playoff, and so it's not like James and an offensive coordinator Ricky Ronnie. And wide receiver coach David Corley, it's not like they're sitting there and going like, okay, we're not making it to the playoff. Let's just throw all the freshmen in and see what happens. Like these guys are earning their time. Jahan Dotson is earning his time. He's learned the playbook finally. That was kind of the big hang up. You know, he was a, he was a name that a lot of people talked about in training camp leading up to the season. But James had said before that, hey, like this is something that he needs to learn more than just slot receiver because, you know, slot receiver, he, he's sitting behind KJ Hamler. So, uh, but yeah, Jahan Dotson has made some serious strides. Had a 30-yard catch, uh, weaving through the Wisconsin defense it was pretty impressive. Like you said, Justin Shorter getting his first career catch. Um, 
you know, I'm kind of curious what Jawan Johnson's future is is like because, you know, he entered the year a, a lot of preseason hype. I mean, mm-hmm. he's a guy who has not had the year that 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 he has wanted, that fans have wanted, that the coaching staff has has expected out of him. He's been hurt. Uh, you know, he he got hurt out at Indiana. Did, has not played the last two weeks. Um, you know, played periodically against Iowa. So. I'm interested to see where his uh, where his season goes and and kind of what his deal is for next year because he's a guy who is talented enough that could probably leave if he wanted to and gets drafted based on athleticism alone, but the production just hasn't been there. And now you have these younger wide receivers coming up the ranks, and uh, it, it, it's just really interesting. The wide receiver room is really interesting to me right now. Yeah, could be a position where Penn State maybe sees the most turnover heading into next year and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I with a new quarterback, it's probably the best time to do it because uh, we've seen this year that Tracy Sorley throwing to some targets he wasn't as familiar with hasn't right. gone uh, quite that well. So maybe Tommy Stevens can forge a connection with some of these younger guys and Penn State's receivers can get back on track next year. We'll see. Yeah, I will say Tommy Stevens, you know, obviously he, he's the future, but he's only going to be – it'll be one year. That's true. Uh, and and Juwan John, him and Juwan Johnson are very close. So, uh, you know, I'm sure they have a good relationship already established. So that that's another thing to to keep in mind as well. But um, but yeah, it, it's it's very interesting, and obviously Jahan getting a lot of run. You know, expect that to continue. You know, cons- assuming they they beat up on Rutgers the way that they probably should. Expect Justin Shorter to get in. Uh, expect Daniel George to maybe get some run as well. Uh, Cam Sullivan Brown, and and there's a lot of young wideouts, a lot of young pass catchers in the offense right now. We'll get back to the interview in just a minute, but we have to step away for another quick break. Stay with us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. And let's uh, let's move on. I, I guess we should talk about the Rutgers game. Uh, you, you, you got you got anything? Like it's, I mean, in at this point in the season, in this opponent, uh, Rutgers is very bad. For those of you who don't know. Um, is there anything you're, you're looking for on on Saturday uh, specifically or, you know, a reason why this game is worth tuning into other than it's one of 12 Penn State regular season games? I'm interested, personally, I'm interested to see if Rutgers can keep this thing relatively close. And I use relatively as the keyword there. They've, they've been double-digit underdogs six times this year. They've covered. They've mm-hmm. covered four times, and yeah. three of those four have been the last three games. Now, granted, you know they were thirty-six and a half point underdogs to Michigan, and they lost by thirty-five. So it, it's not like it's hey. a huge accomplishment. Like, but <laughs> it's not like they're keeping it super Tran- close. But you know, they- transitive property of of Michigan results forty two to seven. This should be yeah. Uh, this should be a complete toss. This might be a crazy, uh, crazy close game. No, uh, no. I'm I'm more so. I'm interested to see what the Penn State passing game is able to do. I mean, if if they really wanted to, they could probably just run miles thirty times. He'd get two hundred <laughs> yards and and they'd win twenty yeah. nothing if they really wanted to. But you know, Trace mm-hmm. before before Trace McSorley left. You know, briefly with uh, with another kind of leg reaggravation there in the second quarter. I mean, at halftime, his stats were 15, he was fifteen of twenty for one hundred and thirty six yards and a touchdown. You know, he was getting the ball out quickly to KJ Hamler on those screens, which 
I really liked that was a good good job by Ricky Ronnie to implement that in the offense. You have to kind of question why it came so late because you know KJ is the guy who you want to get out in space. Uh, but it was good to make that adjustment and, and kind of get some rhythm in the passing game. Uh, and, and what was nice is that those those plays were coming on first down too. So Penn State, I was really interested in this after the game, uh, not to go off on a tangent here, but on first down, they had 30 first down opportunities uh, and they averaged, I think, 6.7 yards on first down against Wisconsin. So I'm, I'm interested to see, to answer your question, Piano, I'm interested to see what mm-hmm. Penn State passing game can do and if, if and if they start throwing the ball early and, and see if see if Trace can get a three hundred yard passing game. He hasn't thrown for three hundred yards yet this season. So maybe maybe this is the game that does it. Maybe against maybe Rutgers will let him have one. Who knows? That would be nice. I also just for for the sake of being able to watch other things on TV, like other than the Kent State game, Penn State has not really blown like I mean they beat Pitt by forty and mm-hmm. Whatever, but they haven't like blow and beat Illinois by forty. But they didn't, they didn't blow them out the way they they didn't run away from them right away. So maybe they can, you know, take a twenty one nothing lead in the second quarter, so I can do some chores or something. I'd- I'm just really happy it's a noon kick because I was, <laughs> I was scared because we've had night games at Rutgers and, you know, oh and right, it, yeah, last time inexplicably, yeah, it was like thirty nine to nothing back in twenty sixteen. Uh, it was a night game, and I'm like, why? Why are we doing this? Like, why? Why is this a thing? So. I'm really happy. It's really happy. It's a new kick to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and one last thing before you go, uh, I know you've been looking at some bowl projections of where Penn state sits and assuming they can take care of business against Rutgers in Maryland and go nine and three, mm-hmm. they're 16th now in the AP poll probably will be somewhere around there when the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night. Do you expect them to, there's a, there's a realistic chance of them going to a New Year's New Year's six game. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And this this is something that on here and, and elsewhere and, and you know writing and whatnot, I've been saying for weeks that hey, even even yeah. even if you know, and this is going back to after Michigan State, even if they lose to Michigan, go nine and three, it's a team that can get to a New Year's six bowl, it can get to the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl, which are at large bowls, and because like like you said, I mean they're going to get to nine and three, and their losses are to Ohio State, Michigan, and you know the Michigan State loss isn't that great, but this is a team that can that can definitely get there and play a team like West Virginia or LSU or maybe Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. There's enough games outside of the Big Ten that when you look at it, over the next two weeks and then conference championship week, there's enough opportunities for teams ahead of Penn State to fall. They, they I think I'm 99 sure they need to get to, into the top 12 to get to one of those games. And I think it's, it's a very real possibility at the very least, you know, look, Penn state beats Rutgers, assuming they, they beat Maryland and they get to nine and three. I think the citrus bowl is base is like the, the backup plan, the, the, the safety mm-hmm. safety net for this team. Cause you know, the citrus bowl, which has the first pick out of the non New Year's six bowls for big 10, they're going to take a nine and three Penn state team any, any day of the week. Absolutely, but I think there's a strong possibility they get back to the get back to the Fiesta Bowl or get down to Atlanta for the Peach Bowl. I, I really do. Yeah, yeah, and I mean beyond Wisconsin or beyond Penn State, oh geez, beyond Ohio State and Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, Penn State will be the most appealing Big Ten team at nine and three. Even though they lost to Michigan State, even though Northwestern's going to make the Big Ten championship game, assuming as long as Northwestern doesn't win the Big Ten, uh, Penn State 
could sneak into one of those New York Six games. Well, yeah, that would throw a whole wrench into it uh, because if, <laughs> if Northwestern randomly decided to win the Big Ten at, at eight and five, uh, you know, then they go to the Rose Bowl. Um, Michigan might not make the playoff, and Ohio State then doesn't go to the Rose, and it just would screw up a lot of things. Yeah, uh, that, <laughs> it sure would. Yeah, it would. It would be. It would be nutty. But um, no, nah, look. I'm expecting. I, I think Michigan makes the playoff. I think Ohio State, you know, goes to the Rose Bowl, and then you're looking at a nine and three Penn State team, an eight and five Northwestern team that lost to Akron and Duke. Uh, you're looking at, you know, an eight and four Michigan State team, eight and four Iowa, probably, you know, eight and four Wisconsin. I mean, you know, Penn State is the most attractive candidate out of, out of that pool. Um, you know, really for yeah. the for the uh, Citrus Bowl. Yes. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll discuss this again too yeah. in the next couple of weeks because that is that is of interest, Absolutely. especially when Penn State's going to play Rutgers. Absolutely. John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. You can find him on Twitter at jmcgonigal9. Always appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks, man. Take it easy. All right, that will do it for today's show. Thank you as always for listening. Uh, you can find Locked On Nittany Lions on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, really wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Also now on Spotify, if that's how you listen to your podcasts. You can subscribe to the show, and that way you will get a fresh episode in your podcast inbox each weekday during the 2018 football season here. Also, if you listen on Apple Podcasts and can leave us a rating and review, we really appreciate that, and it helps other Penn State fans find the show. So thank you for listening. We will be back later this week to discuss Penn State Rutgers. Might get a little more Penn State basketball talk into uh, just to see where the Nittany Lions stand after two games. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday.